Father, for the privilege of being your children, Lord God, of being your sons and your daughters, Lord. We thank you for the privilege of having a Father in heaven that knows everything and that is in control of everything, Lord, and orders every step that we have. Today, Father, we empty our hands and our minds of the things that we have come into this place with carrying that we have, um, that we're not intended to carry, Lord those things that you have wanted us to place unto your hands and at your feet. God, we give you our plans. We give you our dreams and our lives, Lord, our expectations. And all we want is for more of you in our life. We worship you and we glorify your name this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Really glad you're here today. Um, Columbus Day weekend. And... uh... I say that to you today because I know one of the things you need to do is keep your jealousy in check. There's some friend that's not here today that is off leaf peeping in Wisconsin or doing something fun. And here you are stuck in Joliet thinking, man, what am I doing with my life? Well, you know what? You get to be with your friends today. And that's a really, really good thing. So I'm glad you came. In fact, I'll tell you what, for being here today, we will give you an extra heaven point. Okay. So you go ahead and report that on your card today. Let God know that you got extra credit for being in church on Columbus Day weekend. What a deal. As you walked in, you received a folder. It's got a card on the inside. You know about this. You put your name on the front. One of the things I wanted to call your attention to is the back. We've done a little bit of a change on the back. Uh, when it comes to registering our kids for the, for the check-in system, we're not doing that on the card anymore. That's going to be handled at the kiosk instead. So we have a nice, big, open space on there for prayer requests. And uh, we love when you go ahead and let us know uh, what, the, what the needs are in your life, the concerns, the things you're praising God for. And um, one of the things that I commit to do for you personally is I, I take those cards during the weekend and pray through them with you. So if you've got something that's burdening you or something that you want to just say, hey, God's good and here's why, uh, use that space. If that's not enough space, well then, I don't know, write wherever you can on the card. Go crazy. Have fun with it. And uh, make sure you get those in, in the offering plate when the time comes. So this is this weekend that we, we celebrate the concept of uh, discovery. And um, obviously the big part of the discovery was, what's going on here? The big part of the discovery was a, a group of ships leaving Spain in 1492, heading out to try to find a way to get to China. And on the way, they ran into this big old landmass, which we commonly call the New World. And here we are today. All kinds of great discoveries that we could celebrate today. The pilgrims who, celebrate, who, who actually set out on an exploration for a place to be free and to worship God freely. And we're thankful for what they brought to our country. You keep going, you have Lewis and Clark who are commissioned by Thomas Jefferson to find a way to the West, figure out a way to the Pacific Ocean, hopefully a, a waterway that they can get there. And they make their discoveries along the way. And you move on into our, our century and our times, and we have everything from the Apollos to the shuttles to a little rover named Curiosity that's wandering all over the face of Mars right now. Can you imagine that? I mean, I just, I watch this, and I know some of you think it's all, you know, 
a trick, and you think JFK is still alive too, and Elvis is somewhere eating fries. I get all that. But, but for the rest of us, we actually believe there is a rover up there checking things out, figuring out the, what's going on in, in another part of our, of our galaxy. Just incredible. It's a week to celebrate, to celebrate discovery. And that brought a question to my mind. And one that I really, I want you to probe this morning. Think about this. Um, what have you, what have you discovered about God recently? What new discovery do you have in your life about God? Uh, just go ahead and think about that for a moment. I'll give you a little space here. What new thing have you come along that you say, I didn't realize that about God before? I didn't know that. A discovery of something of your relationship with him. Maybe you found it in his word. You were, pr- you were praying and reading the Bible and, and you came across something. You said, wow, I didn't know that about God. Maybe you found it through your experience, even through a walk. Maybe you found it through your relationships, a, a great part of your relationship or maybe a difficult part of a relationship. Maybe it was a moment of sheer joy or one of tremendous disappointment. And it's teaching you something more about God. What have you been discovering about God lately? You see, in any healthy relationship, we should always have a series of ongoing discoveries. I've been married for quite a long time. And somewhere around 10 years, we didn't say, okay, we know everything there is to know about each other. Boom, done, next. We just keep learning more and more and more about each other along the way. The same is true of our relationship with God. So what we're going to do this October is focus on discovering more about God through our personal uh, sacred pathways. What is the pathway in your life that you use most, the most well-tread path, the one in which you discover something about God that you did not know before? You see, God made a way for you employing the unique aspects of your personality and your design to discover him. There's something unique about your wiring that gives you the privilege of discovering him to grow in in depth of intimacy with him. Now, as I start out with that, as I say there are pathways, I feel the need for for a disclaimer. You see the fine print in the corner? Disclaimer legally is the fine print. Here's the fine print. Talking about pathways to intimacy, there is only one road to God. There's only one path to God. I I don't want you to miss that this morning. Uh, The words of Jesus clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you've grown up in the church or if you've been a Christian for a long time, you hear those words and you go, yep, next. But if you haven't, you may be looking at that and going, wow, that's a pretty bold statement that Jesus would say not, I'm a way, I'm a piece of the truth, or I offer a kind of life very definitive. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And every human that has ever existed and exists now and will exist will have to come in confrontation with the truth of this verse. Jesus is the way to God. So as I'm talking about pathways, I am not suggesting today that there are all kinds of ways that everyone can get to heaven. Someone can be really good. Somebody needs salvation by grace through faith. Someone can try something else. There is only one way to God, and that's by faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. On the other hand, 
There are many ways in which we draw close to God, in which we draw into intimacy with Him. James 4, 8, beginning of the verse, I love it, it says, Come close to God, and He will come close to you. As you make the decision to draw closer to God, God in in turn draws closer to you. This is not about salvation. This is about intimacy. This is about growing in your friendship with God as you pursue life with him. It's really your journey of the soul, the pathway you're taking and getting to know him. I'm going to show you a picture of my family. You may have seen this picture before. I think of Facebook, a couple other places. Uh, You may not know this whole gang way off to the left is Shelly. She's actually here today, um, home from school. And then there's the chubby guy. And then... um, and then Kim, and then Nate, and then Brian, my family. They all have unique ways of communicating with me. They, not every one of them communicates the exact same way, especially when it comes to what they want. Kim is incredibly direct. I mean, there's, there's no subtlety. There's no, you know, she doesn't hint. It's just like, here it is, boom, next, okay, let's go. I, and I like that. I don't know. I am so glad I don't have to have a wife that I have to play the mystery game. What is she real? What's she really saying? No, when she says it, she says it. I know what she means. And good. Brian, Brian's kind of funny because he can, he can put on kind of this persona being, you know, kind of blustery and kind of the dude and all that kind of stuff. But when Brian wants something, he gets real soft, cuddly, and nice. <laughs> soft, cuddly, and nice enough that you kind of go, so what do you want? I mean, it's just right there. Shelly. You can tell from the picture how Shelly gets what she wants. Yeah. Cuddle up, bat the eyes. She knows how to cry on demand. She's practiced. I've watched her sit there, and they just start to... And it's like, anything you want, here's the checkbook. Go! And then there's Nate. Nate, who never expresses a desire. Nate, who I can drive in the car with for four hours, and the crickets are louder than Nate. And I have to ask him, what do you want? Do you like it? Do you want another? Is this okay? What do you think? I can, I can ask open-ended questions, and somehow he answers with yes, no, or uh. uh you know, every one of them have a different way of expressing their needs and desires to me. They all have a different pathway. They, in fact, it would be kind of funny. If any of them tried the other person, if Brian started doing the tears, I'd laugh. <laughs> if if Shelly shut up, I wouldn't know what to do. You know, I mean, it just, their path, using someone else's pathway wouldn't work. Well, this is the same with God. Every person in this room is designed uniquely. And because of your unique design, you have a way of approaching God. Again, not for salvation. We all took the same path. But you have a way of approaching God, a way of communicating with God that is unique, maybe even from the person you came with, and certainly unique from many of the other people in the room. So if you've trusted in Christ as your forgiver and leader, you have a relationship with God. We all get that relationship the same way. Have I made that part clear? I hope so. But we each have a different, a unique way of connecting with God, a way of growing in deeper intimacy with Him. And that's called our sacred pathway. So we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. I want to lay out for you at the beginning some of the principles of the sacred pathways. And here's the first. There are nine different pathways at least. We're going to explore nine. 
Eh, there may be more, but we're going to look at nine. <clears throat> it, obviously, as we talk about them, this is not a, a matter of right or wrong, but unique and different. You're going to talk to somebody else about their pathway, and it's almost going to be unimaginable to you that they connect with God that way. You could never connect with God that way, at least on an intimate level, a deep level, a personal level. There's a uniqueness to that, a difference to that, but that doesn't mean that they're wrong and you're right or the other way around. Um, You likely have more than one pathway. I I have three, probably 3.5, all right? So I, I have a few. And, and what we find in when we have more than one pathway, there, there's some complementary overlapping areas in those pathways. You won't find, you won't find you know, that you're going this way and this way. But you'll find that there are three roads that all kind of go this way. They're all kind of going together. They flow together. And you'll see that in your own life that some of these are, are complementary. Further, they may change with the seasons of life. I'll give you one of the prime examples. One, one of the pathways is an intellectual pathway, a studying pathway. If you're in college, it is likely that that one's pretty high for you. You're, you're in a studying season of life. You're getting into apologetics. You're getting into all these different studies about God, comparative religions, all these things. Ten years from now, the most intellectual thing you might do is look at a manual from Ikea to put together a table. But right now, in this season of life, you're really working the brain. I, I, a while back when we moved, I threw out a bunch of my papers from college. It was so fun to read my philosophy papers and go, I, didn't, I don't even know what those words are anymore. And I actually used them in a paper. It's crazy. There was a time that that path really worked for me. You know, another time it works in life is not just age-wise, but where you are in your walk with God. If you're a new believer, a lot of times you're connecting through the intellectual path. You're learning all kinds of new stuff. And those new revelations are really growing you in intimacy with God. Finally, the more we work our pathways, the deeper our intimacy with God will grow. Uh, You're not going to get anywhere if you don't walk the path. You get to deeper intimacy by continually working the pathways God has given you, the way God has wired you. God designed a way for you, employing the unique aspects of your personality and nature to grow in deeper intimacy with him. And God wants every one of us to enjoy a friendship with him. Not to just see him as fire insurance, oh good, now I'm not going to hell, now I'm going to heaven, but to actually have a, a friendship with him And that pathway is your sacred pathway. So let's go ahead and dive into these. I mean, it's the first one that I know well. It's mine. And it's the pathway of the naturalist. Drawing close to God through nature. Um, The naturalist sees creation as God's cathedral. When I go to church, I don't walk in a building. I walk out of a building. When when I'm closest to God, it seems, when I am outside especially in a beautiful, a beautiful natural setting. For the naturalist, a verse that would really ring true for them is Psalm 19. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. I can't look at the sky and not think about God. It's impossible for me. I'm in Wisconsin, I mean, I don't know how they have way more stars than we do. They really got a deal up there. But anyway, I'm, I'm looking at the sky and, and the whole time I'm just, God, how? God, why? God, this, God, that. I'm, I'm connecting with God just by looking at stars. 
Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word their voice is never heard. He goes on to talk about the sun. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God, made, God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The heavens, nature, God's cathedral. It's, like I said, this is my primary sacred pathway. I find God outside. I tell you what, I would be the most spiritual person in the world if I lived in Colorado or Montana. And instead, God says, I'm going to design you with this spiritual pathway of the naturalist, and I'm going to put you in Joliet, Illinois, one of America's finer, most beautiful areas where you drive down 80 and you see that mountain that's been created with the garbage and all, all that kind of, yeah, oh, this, this is working. But you know what? Even in a place like this, you can find tremendous beauty. Every morning I go on a walk, go down to the I&M Canal. It is beautiful right now. I mean, you're walking down this path and you see everything from, from beavers to muskrats to woodpeckers. You're seeing all kinds of animals all the time. The leaves are changing. I, in the winter, you're walking across snow. There's always something beautiful to see along this path. And it's, it's mixed with some of the uh, man-made stuff as well that I've got to admit, after a while, it becomes beautiful too. Just seeing an old train trestle in the middle of all this. I didn't take a picture of the Eye of Saron. Every once in a while, I'm walking along and that thing's just... I'm like, oh, he sees me. But anyway, um, <clears throat> just keep walking down this absolutely beautiful place. And, and as I do, I actually, I come to this stop sign. This is just before the locks by the Auxable Creek. And when I come to this sign, I see stop and I think I'm stopping right now. And I, I just stop and literally say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And for the next 10 minutes, I think nothing and just say, God, if you want to talk, I'm here. And I go ahead and wander along the, the locks, look down to see if there are any fish hiding down there. And there usually are some gar or something swimming around. Head on over onto the, the stream and the creek. And I look at the waterfall. And on the way back, there's this great bench where you can just sit and spend some time talking to God. And, and I, I love connecting with God this way. And some of you are looking at this going, oh, my word, I would go crazy. This is not the way I connect with God at all. But for me, being out in a beautiful place, does it? This past week, I spent a couple of days talking with some pastors about prayer life, the prayer life of a pastor. And I was at Green Lake. This is one of the beautiful stone bridges that they have there. And I'm walking along, and I come across this guy. He's called a pileated woodpecker. This thing is the size of a crow. It's huge. It's about, you know, easily a foot long. And I'm looking at it, and the whole time I'm looking at it, I'm going... God, as if there aren't already enough woodpeckers, now you have this one too. This is amazing. Immediately for me, when I see something like this, I'm drawn to start asking God questions. Why? How? All those things. That's the way, that's the way it works for me as a person who has uh, the naturalist bent when it comes to connecting with God. Let me give you another one. This one's called the sensate. The sensate connects with God through the senses. 
through uh, sight, smell, you know the senses, all of those things, sight and smell, touch and sound, taste and feeling, you find yourself connecting with God through the senses with which he has designed you. It's funny how some people, uh, Kim will walk into a place or be in our house and she'll immediately, what's that smell? And I'm like, me? I don't know. I, what, what are you talking about? She'll She'll catch him in a moment. And you may be the same way. You spot things. You hear things nobody else does. Your senses are just like they're always in hyper tune. And you're using your senses as well to catch pieces of who God is and where he is. I'm reminded of the verse when David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Can you imagine that? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Use all of your senses to really come into connection with who God is. I think of... um, of Elijah after he's been through this uh, battle on Mount Carmel. He's depleted. He literally is so depleted that he wants to die. And God connects with him through his senses. He says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And he stood there and the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But God was not in the wind. Can you imagine that for a moment? Feel the wind on your face. And yet God was not in that wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. He could feel the ground trembling under his feet, but God was not in that. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Not too long ago, I was doing burning over on the church property. And uh, I got back in the car and I looked in the mirror. I had totally melted off the front of my hair. I don't know when or how I did it, but I'm looking. I'm like, there's all this crunchy plastic, and I just kind of, oh, no. It was like the day or two after the wedding. I'm so glad it wasn't before the wedding. You know, and I'm like, oh, my word, look what I've done. I don't even remember, but you've had that time before where you felt the heat of a fire in your face. It was so hot that you had to step away, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. After the fire, there was the sound, the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. It is possible that your spiritual pathway is just through your senses. You have hyper-tuned senses, and that's the way you connect with God. Third is the traditionalist. The traditionalist is a person who draws close to God through ritual and through symbols. For this, if if you think you have a traditionalist bent... I would encourage you to spend some time in 1 Kings 5 to 9. This is when Solomon is building the temple. And there's tremendous beauty in the way the temple is built, in the ceremonies and the offerings, all the things that take place in the temple worship. Now, truthfully, in a church our style, traditionalists kind of go a little crazy because we don't do the same thing twice. We're always kind of changing it up. And you'll have people that are really more into, they want the smells and bells. They want the routines and rituals. They, they want the liturgy. They want, those are the pieces, those are the vehicles that they use to connect with God. It really works for them. Solomon said, My father David wanted to build this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. A building was going, to, was going to honor God. But the Lord told him, you wanted to build a temple to honor my name. Your intention is good, but you are not the one to do it. One of your own sons will build the temple to honor me. 
He goes on to say, And now the Lord has fulfilled the promise he made, for I have become king in my father's place, and I now sit in the throne of Israel, just as the Lord promised, and I have built this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. Again, the, the building was built. This place, this traditional place was built for a purpose, to honor God's name. And I have prepared a place for the ark, which contains the covenant that the Lord made between our ancestors when he brought them out of Egypt. So there are people that are very connected through just ritual and routine. And if you're not, you shouldn't be looking down your nose at them and saying, well, you just don't get it. Because that's the way God has wired them. That's the pathway that works for them. Another pathway, the ascetics. These are people that draw close to God through solitude and simplicity. These are the monks. These are the monastery dwellers. These are the people that just love to break away from what's going on in society and be alone in the presence of God. They love solitude. They love to keep it simple. For them, the verses that really relate from the Bible are the be still verses. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the whole earth. Be still in the presence of the Lord. When's the last time you did that? We want to make so much noise in the presence of the Lord. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't do it yourself. Wait patiently for him to make the move. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Be still. Just be still and know I am God. I'll tell you what, for, for let's see, 30 seconds, be still. For some of you, another hour of that would be heaven. And for others of you, that was 29 seconds too long. You went crazy. When you hear still, you say, what's wrong? Something, something, something happened. And there are other people that when they hear still, they hear God. Aesthetics, aesthetics are drawn to the spiritual disciplines, especially those of abstinence and denial. They abstain from various worldly pleasures to pursue spiritual goals. So they'll practice restraint of the body, of speech and mind. They sometimes choose to live extremely austere lifestyles, refraining from sensual pleasures and the accumulation of material wealth. And in that, they grow into deeper intimacy with God as they fast and pray, practicing silence and solitude. So let's go to the other side. If you're an ascetic, you are probably not also an activist. Activists draw close to God by bringing about social justice. This is important with them. They, they're about spiritual confrontation. They're about making wrong right. They don't withdraw from the world because they can't stand it anymore. They grab a sword, spiritual sword, of course, and they go and they attack. I, I think of Exodus and Moses. When What does Moses say? He goes into the presence of Pharaoh. A guy who could wipe him out in a moment and says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go. This is a spiritual activist. This is someone who draws close to God by obeying God's commands and saying, we're going to make wrong right. 
I think of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17 who goes to this wicked king, Ahab, who has a much more wicked wife, Jezebel. And he says, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. There's a side in these people that they are able to speak truth to power. I mean, they just make it known. They are about making wrong right. And when they're making wrong right, they feel absolutely connected with God. Now let's go to another extreme. You may be a person who likes to make wrong right, but you're not big at declaring it to people who could chop your head off. What you find instead is that you may be wired as a caregiver. A caregiver finds themselves drawing close to God by extending mercy to people and serving other people. (coughs) We just talked about this for a month. I mean, one of the beautiful pictures of this is Jesus himself. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said, What is it? Moved with compassion. Right down here, he felt it. Moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing. Be healed. Instantly, his leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. This is the caregiver who finds themselves drawing closer to God by bandaging the wounds of another person. Mercy is a pathway to deeper intimacy with God for the person who's a caregiver. Okay, let's go again. Another swing. You got the caregivers. Now you have these other people we're going to call the enthusiasts. The enthusiasts draw close to God through celebrating and mystery. They love celebrating God through acts of worship, through singing, through dancing, through praising. I hear people who say, my best times of prayer is when I wake up in the morning singing. And I think, wow. God would just say, why don't you go somewhere else? I can't stand the sound. You know, I just, I can't imagine that. Some people, they connect through singing and dancing and praising. Uh, They sing the loudest in church. Even if it's off key, it doesn't matter. They're singing loud. They're the ones clapping their hands with all their might, even if it's off beat. Why? Because this is the way to connect with God. And truth be told, they don't get it while you sit there with your arms folded. And you don't get it why they're so excited. It's kind of funny the way that works on both sides. I think of David bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. David danced before the Lord with all his might wearing a priestly garment. He didn't do this for a show. He was doing it for the audience of one, for God himself. And he was dancing with all of his might before God. And interestingly, what happens? His wife judges him. His wife judges his enthusiasm. She judges the way he worships so publicly. But that's the way David connected with God. So you've got the enthusiast. Let's go to another direction. The contemplative. The contemplative is a person who draws close to God through adoration and devotion. But it's not going to be boisterous. It's not going to be public. It's not going to be, it's not going to be all out loud and big. Uh, this person loves to pray, loves to spend time thinking about God, contemplating. Doesn't see praying as a waste of time or a last resort. For some people, if you were to suggest we should pray about it, they'd say, what, you don't, you don't know what else to do? 
And, and the contemplative says, what do you mean? That's what you do. That's how you connect with God. That's how we get God's work done. We connect with him in prayer. A couple of models of this in the Bible, of course. One of them is uh, Mary and Martha. You know, Martha, Jesus comes to their house and Martha wants to make sure that everything is in its place. It's a perfect meal. You're entertaining God. It better be right. Better make sure that there are no dust bunnies under the beds. Let's make sure the place is perfect. Her sister Mary, in verse 39, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. And, And the commentary on Martha in verse 40, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. There's the difference. The contemplative is not distracted by what's going on around. They're just focusing in, focusing in on their relationship with God. And, of course, we know that ultimately Mary, Martha comes and says, I need help. And Jesus says, what? Dinner can wait. Mary has discovered the thing that matters, and it's not going to be taken away from her. She's a contemplative, spending time in the presence of Jesus. I think of another woman in the Bible in Luke chapter 7. An immoral woman from the city heard Jesus was eating there and brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. She knelt behind his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. You have one of two reactions to this passage. For some of you say, I wish I could adore Jesus that way. And some of you are saying, that is just weird. Can't imagine, can't imagine loving Jesus that way. Because that's not the way you're wired. You're not wired as a contemplative. By the way, the contemplative, just like the enthusiast, had people who criticized. People who said, you're wasting your time. Let's get to the point. Let's do, let's do some work. Let's get on with it. The final one is the intellectual. Drawing close to God through study and thought. For this one, I turned to a group of people in Acts chapter 17, a church in Berea. It said they were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica and listening eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scripture day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Paul ultimately wrote the majority of the New Testament. And this group of people, this group of new believers, is opening the Bible and saying, I wonder if he's right. They're they're doing an ultimate fact check on the Apostle Paul. And Paul doesn't condemn them. He commends them. He commends them for being people who want to make sure that the truth, that what they're hearing is actually the truth. There are people who connect intellectually, through theology and ethics and apologetics and and comparative religions. They love to think and learn and debate and ponder. And there are others of you that go, what a big waste of time. Just love Jesus. Because we all have these different pathways, nine of them in all. Nine of them in all. You have at least one pathway. Uh, As we've gone through the list, you may already know what yours is. Boom, you've got it. Uh, I want you this week, this is what this week is about, to just discover your pathway. Figure it out. You don't even have to start using it. Just discover your pathway. And I'm going I'm to give you a couple of tools to do that. First of all, again, look at, look at the list. And this list is in, in your folder this morning. So you have the list of pathways as well as the definitions of each. Were you already able, just by looking at those, to say, there I am, that's me. Or, or maybe you see more than one and you say, yeah, that one's me and that one's me. For some of us, we're going, I don't know me, but boy, I know my wife. Or that's my kid or that's my dad. 
We're able to identify other people's pathways as well. Uh, I want to help this along, not only by just looking at the list, but I also want to give you an email link. Here's the link. It's listed in your folder. And at 1130, exactly 1130, an email is going to arrive in your box and a post is going up on the blog and it gives this address. 45 questions answered from a 1 to a 5. 1 being lowest, 5 being highest. And you answer them and at the end you hit calculate and it'll go ahead and calculate and give you an idea of which of yours are highest and which of yours are lowest. I took it. Pretty easy. It goes pretty quickly. Uh, the questions look something like this. They're the bottom for the bottom questions. Things like uh, the word concepts of truth are very appealing to me. The most difficult times in my faith are when I can't feel God's presence within me. You take that statement and you give it somewhere between a one and a five, and then you hit calculate, and you've got the list of pathways right there, and it'll fill in the numbers. I actually had two that hit twenty-five. The ultimate you can have, and I have another one, they hit 22. And if you look at all three of them, they clump together beautifully. And there's actually a fourth one in there that's kind of working, working as well. I, I don't think we all have one pathway. We have a few that we work. And they're complementary pathways. So, so here's your assignment for the week. Find out what your pathway is. Pull out the card, your card in the folder. And uh, I'm going to ask you for a couple of commitments. The first one is simply this. I think I know my pathway just by looking at the list. Boom, done, over, next. I got it. The second one, I'm going to go ahead and take the pathway test sometime this week. Promise, I'll I'll get that link in one of many areas, and I'm going to answer those 45 questions and figure out what it is. The third is just about a prepared heart. I'm ready to learn more about how my pathway can grow my intimacy with God. And the next one, I want you to work on during communion. So once, um, once communion has come and you've taken communion, or maybe as you're waiting for, me for communion to come, in a word, I'd like my walk with God to be, and write the word in the blank area. What would you like to see happening in your walk with God? Maybe something that's not happening right now. Maybe that's something that's starting that you'd like to see improve. Maybe something that's happening that you're saying, I just want to make sure it keeps happening. So in a word, I'd like my walk with God to be, and go ahead and write it on the paper. Let's talk to God now. I'm grateful, Lord, that you designed us to connect with you. I mean, we're all grateful for salvation. It's wonderful that we get to be in heaven with you forever. But Jesus coming to forgive our sins and give us eternal life was about more than heaven. It was about restoring the relationship that was supposed to be there from the first place. When you used to come down to the garden and walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and just enjoy a friendship with them, and you want us to have that friendship with you too. I pray today that as we've had a chance to explore these spiritual pathways, that we're starting to see the way we're designed and that we can start working our pathways so that we can grow in greater intimacy with you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So our servers are coming, bread and cup are together. Take communion and then make sure you write your word on your card. What do you want to see happen in your relationship with God? What do you want it to look like?
question as to whether or not we're enthusiasts, whether or not you connect with God through worship. Because if that's your connecting point, you were sitting there as that song built going, why aren't these people standing up? You just, you felt it welling up in you. You were like, I've, I've got to, oh, I've got to sing. We've got to go with this song. So every week, it's just great to have Dana and our band leading us in worship. We love that. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, do it. Please, please. Uh, servers are coming to collect the offering, so make sure you put your card in there as it comes. Brian, come on up. We have, this is uh, Brian. You saw him in the picture. This is the guy that uh, if he comes to you and is being warm and cuddly, you know he probably wants something. So um, wanted to be able to have you see, uh, get him a face-to-face look at him today. Uh, with Justin transitioning away from uh, student ministry with us in the warehouse, now, one of the difficulties we could have had was, okay, now we've got to take several weeks off as we regroup and try to figure out what we're going to do in terms of leadership. Brian finds himself in a season right now of, of between school and looking for what's coming next. And so he's available for us and we're going to be having him jump in and help with the leadership of both junior high and high school. Thrilled that he's able, he's able to do that. What it provides for us, and I think this is really important, is an interim season where we're able to do two things. We're able to, do, to assess what's the need we have in terms of a staff position. And then beyond that, uh, how do we fill that? Who's the person we need in order to fill that position? So uh, it's great when we can have an interim person step in and fill a role for us so that we can then be looking at uh, what's the bigger picture beyond this. You need to know something about me when it comes to my kids. And, and you, may, you may think I'm nuts. You may already, so that kind of works well. But um, I am not one of these pastors who have, has longed all his life for his kids to be a pastor. I pretty regularly pray, God, if there's anything else they can do, please help them. <laughs> help them. Not because it's been a pain, but because it's a calling. It's not something mommy and daddy say you should do. And I've, I've never, ever, ever told my kids what I'd love more than anything else is if someday you were leading in a church. Here's what I do want for my kids. I want them to be involved in churches for the rest of their days. And when they walk into a church for the first, second, or third time, as pastors and others get to know them, they don't say, you're a pastor's kid? And they're kind of mystified because of the level of detachment that they have and the level of... Um, Uh, for lack of a better term, ignorance they have about the way the church works and what the church is all about. I want to raise three kids that are plug and play. Three kids that anywhere they walk in, a pastor and a leadership team would be going, there are 10 ways we could use this person. What in the world are we going to do? Let's put them on a photocopier and let's spit them out. that's, That's what I hope to see in my kids. And this coming year is going to give uh, you the opportunity to train him in the area of student ministry so that he'll know how well to work in this area of the church's life. And he'll be sharing in some other areas as well. But um, I'm not having him talk today. He's just here to look good. So there he is. Okay. 
And, and his response to just look good is, that's easy. So, all right, let's sing. Stand up. Let's go. Sing with enthusiasm. Go nuts. Let's sing it out this morning. God is awesome, and he does deserve our praise. Great are you. 